This episode is presented by the Pacific Wine and Food Classic, returning September 30th to Newport Beach, California. You can save 25% off your tickets right now by using the discount code SEATS at checkout. That's a capital C E A T S. Once again, that is SEATS at checkout for 25% off your tickets to the 2023 Pacific Wine and Food Classic. This episode of the Best Seats Podcast is brought to you by, well, you. To learn how you can support the show, go to thebestseats.com slash Patreon. Once there, you'll learn how you can get early access to shows, ad-free listening, the ability to submit questions, comments, concerns, and more. Once again, that's thebestseats.com slash Patreon. But enough of that. On to the show. What's up, everybody? Hello and welcome to the first ever episode 123 of the Best Seats podcast. The only podcast bringing you interviews to some of the most talented people in and around the hospitality community from right here in Orange County to the rest of Southern California and beyond each and every episode. I'm your host, Crawford McCarthy, founder and principal of The Best Seats. Thank you to my friend, Allie Coyle, who provides music for the show. You can find more of her work at AllieCoyleMusic.com. And if you're listening to this early on Patreon or later on when it hits free feeds, make sure to check out her Instagram um, at Allie Coyle Music. Or I'll link, uh, the link is in the show notes. But she's got a very, very cool opportunity coming up for a movie premiere where she's going to be actually playing live for it. Um, and there's the opportunity for people to go check that out. Again, that is all on her social. As a reminder, though, if you do enjoy the show and you're listening to it on those free feeds, Spotify, wherever else, please be sure to leave a rating and or a review. It helps new audiences discover the show. You can go to thebestseats.com for more content just like this. Shop merch, check out the blog and more. But don't forget that the very best experience is only found at patreon.com forward slash the best seats where so many of you subscribe each and every month. And I am eternally grateful. That's where you get early ad free listening to each and every episode, as well as exclusive access to the bonus episodes and more. Uh, first things first, apologies if, if I sound a little raspy. I'm fighting off a head cold. Secondly, apologies for the long ass delay. We are back. Sadly, um, there were about three weeks there where nothing could go right. Mother Nature threw some things at us. I had a guest lined up out of Hawaii that was going to record. Obviously, they're dealing with the fires um, and the aftermath of the fires at this point. And heart goes out to them. Um, Golden Rule Charity is doing a great one for hospitality workers. You can give them a look. But we lost an episode of the fires um, out here in Orange County, even though it was labeled as a hurricane. Tropical Storm Hillary delayed a show. Um, I had another person who was unable to record to a family medical emergency. It sucks. I hate missing weeks, but this is just the reality of doing a show like this on the fly in the hospitality industry where things change. And unfortunately, there's not much else I can do about natural disasters. That being said, we are back. Now, what are we back at? What are we talking about? Well, we are talking about wine, ladies and gentlemen. Specifically, we are out in Temecula, California at Ween's Family Cellars. I'm sitting down with the owner as well as the winemaking team to discuss the history, the legacy, Temecula wine country, what they do at Ween's, why it's one of my favorite wineries in the region, all the delicious varietals that they work with, and just the approach to Temecula as a whole. Temecula wine country is something that a lot of people out here in California, especially, sometimes they turn their nose up at it. They don't really give it the credit that it deserves compared to a Paso, a Santa Barbara, something like that. The fact is, is that they're doing some really good stuff. 
I we recorded this on site at Weens. I left um, South Orange County to drive out there. I made it out there in an hour and 10 minutes. Okay, granted, middle of the week. Obviously, the weekends are a little busier, things like that. But an hour and 10 minutes isn't terrible. It's not that much different from Los Angeles or even San Diego. We have a great wine country right in our backyard here in Southern California. And if you're listening out of state, a great opportunity for you to travel to someplace that you may not have thought of before. And frankly, pretty easy to get to given the major airlines and um, airports that are right in the uh, area. So I wanted to sit down with this team. And uh, by the way, spoiler alert, there's going to be a lot of wine content coming up just based on the time of year, people finishing harvest. I've already been talking to some wine teams that have been waiting to get past harvest before they wanted to sit down. So hopefully you're not going to be bummed out by some wine content, but spoiler alert, it's going to get a little wine heavy as we wind down 2023, but we're going to kick it off with Ween's Family Cellars. I'm so excited to welcome David, the whole team out there. Again, the three of us on the show is something I haven't done in a minute, but I always love to do. I hope you'll enjoy this episode as much as I enjoyed recording it for you. So let's jump into episode 123 of the Best Seats podcast featuring the teams from Ween's Family Cellars. Enjoy. Well, it's time for a little commercial, yeah. There's a handful of things in life that I know that I'm good at. Running a successful podcast, for one, a website, photography, menu consulting, etc. But one of the things where I need help is my gardening, specifically culinary gardening. It's one thing to have a nice succulent or a pretty plant to look at, but there's nothing like growing your own food, herbs, and more. That's why I turn to my friend and friend of the Best Seeds podcast, Ashley Irene of Heirloom Potage, for all things culinary gardening. She's an expert through and through who's worked with some of the best chefs and restaurants here in Orange County. Just see the work that she did up at the amazing Poppy and Seed in Anaheim, or some of the work she's doing with chefs like Zach Scher over at the Bellow Chef's Table. She's talented, witty, incredibly smart, and a consummate professional through and through. Whether you're running a restaurant program, a craft cocktail program, or you just want to start growing some great food at home, she has everything you need and more. To get more information, set up a consultation, or just to see some of the things that she's done in the past, check out heirloompotager.com for more information. Gentlemen, thank you for taking the time to sit down at Wayne's Family Cellars out here in Temecula. And I especially, especially, excuse me, am very appreciative of you guys taking the time. Granted that you are in harvest right now. You are making wines. You've got people here tasting wines today. A lot going on. And I want to talk about this winery, its history, Temecula as a whole, wine country. But before we dive into anything else that I want to talk about, I want to go around all three of you. I love having three guests on. This has been a minute since I've done that. And have you guys introduce yourselves and give a little bit of your background. Boys, why don't we start with you? Yeah. My name is Brian Marquez. I'm the winemaker here at Weems Family Cellars. I've been here for 15 years and came up through, uh, you know, from the vineyard all the way up to now the winemaker. I'm Joseph Weens. I'm the director of winemaking. I've been here for probably about 15 years, too, um, uh, in, in winemaking capacity as the, at, at this side um, or at this time. Started as a tasting room manager for the first three years and then jumped into production about 15 years ago. So been making wine for a while. Awesome. I am David Steinoffel and along with my father, Mark, we are the current owners of Ween's Family Cellars, uh, which we just acquired. It's been about 14 months now uh, since the acquisition. So 
it's been it's been fun. It's been a, a steep learning curve, and uh, we are enjoying the business of wine and and everything that comes along with it. And you know, life is easier when you're working with two fantastic winemakers uh, such as Joe and Brian. So it's been it's been a fun journey so far. Um, anybody who knows me knows. Anybody who's listened to the show before knows that the liquid side of kind of food and beverage is a really big passion of mine, whether it's cocktail culture, wine, especially. Um, and there's a lot of winemakers that are going to be coming up on the podcast soon. Once harvest is done from you know Napa to Santa Barbara, down here to Temecula, this is an orange County based podcast, but even though Temecula is so close, I mean, I made it here today in an hour 15, which knock on wood, I'll make it up back in that time. Um, I th- it's very much still emerging, even though Temecula has been around for a while, you guys have been making wine for a while, really good wine. I've tasted a lot of your wine. It feels like it's still waiting to emerge. Um, talk about a little bit, and we'll kind of go to you guys as the winemakers who have been here for a while, about the history of not just Weens, but kind of the valley, you know, this area as a whole. Um, well, yeah, I mean, there's there's been wineries here, vineyards here since the 60s. Um, so relatively new wine country, I mean, compared to probably Lodi or Napa. Um, but long enough to where you know we've kind of made a name for ourselves uh still really you know small as as far as total acreage uh we don't have a a lot of vines planted but um you know uh it's it's a really fun model down here you know we get to make wine in in a nice warm climate go surfing if you want to go up the mountain go skiing if you need to so um it's a fun place to be um and uh yeah i don't I probably didn't answer your question. <laughs> <laughs> no, hey, that was a great sales pitch for it. I, I mean, like the travel organization for Temecula is going to be like, yeah, damn, we'll just go with that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, it's pretty cool to be this close to San Diego and L.A. and Riverside. Yeah. We started, uh, Ween's Family Cellar started, so it uh, was originally my dad was our founding winemaker, um, and we planted a vineyard up in Lodi when I was in high school. That's kind of how we got things started. And if you know anything about Lodi, you know that there's a lot of wineries and not very many people. So a busy day for us in Lodi was, you know, 10 people through the tasting room was, you know, yeah. wild. Um, and at one point we tried to charge $2 for tasting and, you know, the pitchforks were coming <laughs> yeah. out. So uh, <laughs> so it was a smart move to move down here. And, and initially, you know, I was like, oh, I'm, you know, never going to... Uh, live in SoCal. I'm a NorCal guy. And, and now that I'm down here, I'm never going back to NorCal. So <laughs> settled in nicely. You guys have obviously seen this region grow, you know, coming down here and starting to make wines. I mean, for people that may not know, because again, there's only so many people that have their WSET or they're just wine fans or, you know, quote unquote aficionados. Um, even though in California, it seems like everybody's an expert. Um, talk about the kind of history of the varietals that grow here, kind of the, the processes, some of the wines that have kind of come out of this region. Yeah. So, you know, looking at the history and kind of going on what Joe said is I think a lot of people planted their feet here because there's the rainbow gap. So there's a good airflow. And if you look at most wine regions, they're usually in a gap where you get airflow. So despite it being warm, you know, it's given us from there was a lot of Chardonnay planted back in the day. Unfortunately, the shin and block that was here all got ripped out, which is something that like we've tried to get our hands on. But, you know, um, Temecula sees a lot, you know, we ourselves do about 30 varieties um, from a lot of Italian whites now, Vermentino, Fiano, um, Pinot Grigio, and um, on the reds, you're seeing anything from Cab, a lot of Rhones, you're seeing the Syrah, Grenache, Moved, and then 
Italian Reds, Primitivo, Zinfandel. Uh, we mess with a little Alicante Boucher and nice, yeah. uh, what's the other Nero? We're, yeah, we got Nero, Nero this year, so We're doing, uh, Nebbiolo. Delicious. That's a fantastic. lot of Italian varieties. I mean, because this is a you know a slightly warmer climate, yeah. Um, Italian varieties hold on to acidity really well. Uh, we found some nice pockets that are closer to the coast, um, up in the in the La Cresta uh, Plateau area, where we're cool enough to do some really nice Bordeaux vineyards. Um, and then also in the foothills on the other side, a little higher elevation. People don't realize that we're you know twenty anywhere from two thousand to twenty five hundred feet. So. Pretty good elevation yeah, here. Yeah, yeah, especially for SoCal. Yeah, and, you know, so so those areas were able to do some really nice cab vineyards um, that that compete with other, you know, cab vineyards in, in the state. So there's this kind of, you know, mis, uh, misunderstanding that we're in this, you know, arid desert and it's too hot to make wine here. We are, you know, pretty much the southernmost AVA in California. There's guys in Ramona that will be mad to hear that, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, uh, because we're situated close enough to the coast, we're high enough elevation. We get good diurnal shifts, um, and and we found that we found we found some good pockets in in our AVA, some kind of microclimates that work really well for different varieties. So, I wouldn't say that we're specific on one variety. Like mm-hmm. a lot of wine countries, kind of get pigeonholed into one variety. Yeah, cab country and so yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's only so many Napa cabs I can drink in one day. They're great, but you know. That's if you're if you're a producer in Napa, you know, you're not going to make a name for yourself doing a a, a Primitivo or a Montepulciano or something, no. you know. No. <laughs> so it's kind of fun down here having that freedom to uh, explore with different varieties and, and find what works. And, and um, you know, to have that freedom is really, really fun. Uh, David, I want to turn to you. Obviously, you know, you mentioned that your family are now the owners. Um, being able to kind of come in and, you know, take over a winery, I think is a lot of people's dreams, but whereas a lot of ple- you know, people, whether it's a spirit company that gets bought out or a brewery, new owners will kind of come in and, you know, switch things up say, Hey, we're going to keep the name, but we're going to do it this way. Now you guys have come in and seemingly just been like, no, keep going. And we're just here to support you. What made Ween's attractive for you guys to come in and be like, we like this operation. We want to be a part of it and help it continue to grow. I think for us, looking at the business prior to ownership, um, it was really about the product. I think we, we came down, we experienced the wine, we experienced the tasting room and the ambiance, and we said, hey, this is, this is fantastic. So, and then as soon as we got into the business, I think operationally we realized, again, this is, this is fantastic. You know, there's not much we need to do coming in here to, to make a lot better. There's not a lot of change that we need to do. Sure, there's some some things that we came in and, and put our mark on, but I think for us overall, um, looking at the product of wine, looking at the breadth of wine, looking at the quality of the wine that was being produced, I think for us, that was the most important piece to say, hey, it makes sense for us to come into this business. The product is there. The, the quality is there. Um, you know, There's a strong membership that supports purchase of the wine, um, you know, great revenue, et cetera, really strong wine club. And, you know, the last 14 months of, of speaking with wine club members has, has been, you know, some honest validation of that. Um, you know, every day I'm in the tasting room, I get feedback from wine club members saying, hey, you guys have, as new owners have, have done a fantastic job. Um, you know, you, you haven't touched the product, um, you know, the product that we love and, and have come to appreciate 
over the number of years. And, and for us as new owners, all we want to do is um, continue to improve and elevate as best we can the overall product of the wine and the overall quality. We want to give Joe and Brian uh, and the rest of the team the tools they need uh, to do that. Yeah. Um, and, and so that's, that's really what we're here for. Um, you know, it's a light touch from our perspective and, and making sure everyone has what they need to, to succeed. Um, I had somebody described to me one time when I first moved out here, um, and this might piss some people off, but bear with me for the metaphor. Somebody described Temecula wine country kind of like Nashville. There's something for everyone in the sense that you get the bachelorette parties, you get the places that are a venue first and a winery kind of second. You get you know the kind of the the frosé crowd and and you know kind of different sparkles and Ween's really again the first time that I came here earlier in 2023 and did a tasting and tour the property. Um, and I should sidetrack real quick and say that people think tasting room, they think all right, eight bar seats, maybe some tables. You guys have a lot of square footage here, man. I mean, before it's just wild to me how big it is, but you guys really seem to want to be that elevated kind of place and come and it is a winery first. It's not, you can come here and you can have a great time. You guys have the square footage for music. You do, you know, kind of food trucks and pop-ups. And I know that, you know, hopefully fingers crossed, I think you, when you and I talked, David, that you guys are working on hopefully getting kind of food going, but it seems like a winery first, not a venue kind of second. How do you guys kind of feel about that analogy and, and whether it's valid or, or, any kind of thoughts on it yeah i think that's kind of the best way to put it you know it is that and we try to cater to everybody but our main thing has always been the wine first so the cool thing about the prior ownership and the current ownership is if i ask for something in regards to winemaking i rarely get told no if you know i've never been told no because i tell them this is how it's going to improve the product so and then we have square footage because we never want to turn somebody away you don't want to come in and feel like it's that you know, where you can't even get to the bar. We want to have that interaction because, you know, our interaction with our club members is what it's the easiest marketing that we have. Yeah, you know, they're the ones that spread the word and everything like that. So early on, we invested in having more staff, having the bar space. So yeah, maybe you go three deep, you know, back in the day before we had the tables and chairs everywhere, but um, you could always get up to the bar. And that's something that really made interactions go a lot easier. But at the end of the day, wine, you know, that's all we try to focus on. We let them do the tasting room and Joe and I put our heads down and get to make the wine that we want to make. Yeah, no pressure on us at all. So. Yeah, <laughs> just keep it going. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you said tasting room, but let's talk about the property for people that haven't been here and may come visit. It's tasting rooms. I mean, again, we're recording this and kind of a side one that could be great for like PDR, like events, things like that. You guys have the main tasting room. There's the, what, the, the reserve one, I want to say for members in reserve. I mean, describe kind of, so somebody who's first time here, again, pretend that somebody listening is blind. Be like, this is what you're going to experience when you come here. Um, yeah. So as, as Brian was saying, we, you know, we, we definitely try to get, uh, make sure everybody has a great experience when they come here. Um, so first, uh, first time taster may uh, go into our main tasting room and taste our main list. Uh, if they're more interested in, you know, reserve level wines, um, uh, they might do a, a seated tasting in our in our seated tasting room, that's the reserve room I think you're talking about, uh, which is paired with uh, you know uh, meats and cheeses that mm-hmm. we that we uh, uh, pair with with each wine. Those are a lot of those are vineyard designates, and we like to have more of an intimate seated kind of one on one with this with the um, serving staff to really kind of educate the guest about the wine 
uh, that we're pouring um, because as Brian was saying, we are wine first here. You know, that's, that's our passion and, and it, it shows with our servers as well. They're really engaged with the product and, and um, love sharing that information with our customers. So uh, yeah, you know, or, you know, alternatively, you, you can come in with a picnic, buy a, a bottle or two of wine, sit out on the patio and, and just enjoy yourself. So uh, we've got, fortunately, we've got the square footage here to where, um, you know, you can just come in and have a good time uh, any way you want to. So, David, from an operations perspective, as kind of the ownership of this, um, we're very fortunate in California. Obviously, we have great wine up and down the coast. I mean, we've got all the different AVAs. We have the different regions. We have all these different varietals that just do fantastic. People can really find whatever they want. How do you guys, again, you have a beautiful space like this. You have kind of storied history of great winemaking, great wines. Um, everything I've tasted through last time I was here, I absolutely loved. How do you guys get the word out? You mentioned wine club members. They spread the word. Obviously, that's great. If they have friends over for dinner or something, they open a bottle. Oh, what is that? But how do you guys kind of cut through the noise of California wineries to be like, hey, we're here. Come see us. You're going to have a great time. You know, it's, it's an evolving process of, of how to do that. I think historically, prior to our ownership, I think it was just very organic. Again, it went back to club members. It went back to word of mouth. Um, you know, I, th I think a heavy, heavy majority of our club members are Southern California uh, locals. So I want to say something north of 70% of our club members live within a two-hour drive from the winery. Um, so they can take advantage of, of the various club benefits. But, um, you know, I, I think f for us, we're embarking on this kind of new marketing mission to get that word out. I think, again, it, it comes back to the product and the quality of the product. And if you have that, then, you know, you can do everything else um, in, in step. And so for us, we have a revamped marketing team. Uh, we have concerts on site now on, on the weekends. So we're starting to promote those and, and get the name back out to the, uh, to the, to the public. Um, you know, kind of the tip of the spear being, being the concerts. But, you know, I think we're, we're trying new things. Um, we've just started a little bit of distribution uh, with some local retailers, so, you know, which are actually some, some big national uh, chains and brands. Um, but we're, we're taking it, you know, kind of step by step. I think the first thing we really wanted to do was solidify the, the membership base um, and, and kind of let them know that, hey, we are a safe pair of hands as new owners coming in here. Everything's gonna kind of maintain its quality, if not if not up level. Um, and so I think from there, you know, how we approach kind of quote unquote the rest of the world is is kind of what we're figuring out now. Because um, certainly, you know, going back to kind of the business model question that you posed, you know, our business model right now is, you know, I'll pick a number: ninety-eight percent direct to consumer. Um, and so that's everyone that, that is visiting our, our tasting rooms. Um, you know, we are selling bottles, we are selling, you know, club memberships. Uh, we have a brand new website. So, you know, our online sales and e-commerce will hopefully pick up here. Um, but you know, for all intents and purposes, it's, it's 98% direct to consumer. Now, I, I think most of Temecula is like that. Um, there's maybe one or two wineries that, that, you know, shift more toward uh, distribution and, and retail. 
I think, you know, as the business grows, as the business matures, we would certainly want to um, kind of shift that as well. But I think we're still in this, in these early phases of, again, getting our wines out there, getting our, you know, I'll call them sub brands of wines out there as well. I mean, one thing we did when we came in is, is we really went after uh, the IP of some of the brands that we've created. Um, you know, we've got uh, Amour de l'Orange, which is probably our most, our, or is our most popular wine. It's an orange flavored sparkling wine. Um, going after, after that trademark and that IP, going after some other IP around our, our red wines. Um, so once, you know, once you have that and you can then nurture it and, and go after distribution and go after some of these other channels, um, which historically the, the company, um, you know, hadn't made a, a priority or hadn't really gone after. So I think we're, we're just starting to kind of approach all that. I think end of year 2023 will be interesting in, in terms of some growth there. And, and certainly into into next year, we'll we'll go after that growth as well. Um, guys, I want to turn to you from the winemaking side of things. I've always kind of associated winemakers with chefs in a way where you have so many great ingredients, in your case, varietals to play with. But sometimes that person works with a, an ingredient that maybe someone isn't familiar with, and it can kind of put them off menu-wise. You guys have so many great things. I mean, you, you mentioned your Fiano. I tasted that when I was here, and I think I got like three bottles of it, and they did not last long. Um, but a lot of people... Again, I kind of jokingly said that everybody's an expert in California. A lot of people do just trend towards that Chardonnay or that type of cab. How do you guys balance bringing in all those varietals to play with while at the same time not scaring off somebody? Maybe someone's like, oh, I've never had a Nebbiolo. And you're like, well, you're going to like it. How do you guys kind of balance that with bringing in people and your existing wine club members? Um, Well, I I mean, I think we both have some stuff to say on this. And it's funny because when I first started working here, Joe's like, just drink more wine. And then the more I got into wine, the more I got into cooking and food. So, you know, tying them all in, it kind of worked out. But when it comes to other varieties, I mean, Joe and I were not classically trained. We didn't go to school. So we do things based off of taste. So it's like, and having the staff that we have in the taste room, you know, they're educated well, that we can do something that's fun, do a fun variety that nobody's heard of. Yeah, sometimes you have to print out a tech sheet and teach them how to pronounce it. Or sometimes Joe has to teach me how to pronounce it because I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> but, you know, at the end of the day, we're looking at flavors, yep. you know, and um, we want to make sure that it, it tastes great. So that's why we don't shy away. And it's always fun getting new varieties that you can work with, even though we have no history on it. But, um we want to just make sure we have something that's great to taste, you know? So what do you have to say about that? Yeah. I mean, it kind of, uh, we, we view it the same way as, as kind of like a chef or, or, you know, more, more on the artistic side, we'll, we'll run numbers, uh, you know, obviously everything we run, run a lot of labs on, but, uh, first and foremost, it's about the flavor and the balance and the aromatics and trying to find those, those sweet spots. So, you know, I grew up in a, in a restaurant family as well um, in Napa Valley. I was fortunate to, to, to have that exposure growing up. Um, so, you know, it, 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 it's all about finding that balance. And, and as Brian was saying, having tasting room staff that, uh, that is excited about new varieties and excited about new blends, it makes our job a lot easier. Um, coming from the restaurant business uh, prior to this, I, you know, I had uh, some pretty significant wine list that I was in charge of. And, um, you know, it was like pulling to teeth trying to sell a Viognier by the glass or, a, you know, Sancerre by the glass. This is 
20 years ago, you could probably sell a Sancerre by the glass now. But. Yeah, I was like, man, it's hot today. Viognier <laughs> yeah, sounds good. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, it, it, and so I kind of came into the winery with that, like, oh, man, it's just going to be Chard and Cab, Chard and Cab all day long, which, you know, we're always going to have Chard and Cab. Um, but I've noticed that in that tasting room environment, because um, they have that more ex a one on one exposure with their server, uh, they have six or eight tastes of wine that they can choose from. Um, and they usually trust the server to kind of guide them um, and expose them to new new varieties. So I think it's much less of a challenge to expose people to interesting varieties in a tasting room environment as opposed to, uh, you know, a restaurant environment where you're committing to a whole glass of it. Yeah. Well, and, and I think that's what keeps people coming back. You know, it, it's what makes the the membership so interesting is that every month, every couple of months, our menus do change. New varietals are coming on, new vintages are coming on, old ones are dropping off. And, you know, I think the Valley itself has received some criticism specific to the breadth of varieties that the Valley grows and, and harvests, uh, you know, and, and we're kind of case in point I mean, with 30 different varietals. That's some people would look at that and say that you guys are crazy. But the, the overall point is that there is an economic business model within this valley to support that. Um, the fact that we are centrally located to San Diego, Orange County, Los Angeles, Inland Empire, the desert. I mean, we, our proximity to these population centers is, you know, there is another wine region on earth that has that proximity. And so we're fortunate enough to be able to get that traffic, get that tourism here to the valley. And when people do walk in through your doors, you need the menu to support that. So I, I think, yes, we have received, you know, as a whole kind of criticism for not specifying on a particular varietal or being known for a particular varietal, you know, okay. But I, I think I, I look at that and say that for us, that's opportunity and, and we can cater to so many folks, but you know, us as a specific winery, you know, we certainly have our, uh, varieties that, that uh, you know, we feel we do best, certainly. Um, I think we're known as a, as a uh, you know, kind of call it a, a bold reds shop. Um, and, you know, quote, you know, arguably the best red in Temecula, if not, you know, outside as well. So I think for us, um, you know, again, we, we, we have the business model to support it. And as long as we do, we'll, we'll keep it going. So... Yeah, the the way I've always seen it is, yeah, the people that are going to buy the big bottles of Cab are going to buy it. Yeah. But every day you got a new generation of wine drinkers. People are turning 21. So, you know, the market's changing. And that's where being in Temecula is awesome because we're hour from San Diego, hour and a half from L.A. So if you get all those people in and get them, you know, attracted to wine early on, then they're going to continue to grow with the product. So us as winemakers, we're not settling and, you know, planting our feet with this is how it's going to be. We're adapting with it. And we want to make sure that we're not turning people away, you know, because to me, it's like you want to continue to grow. You want it. That's the fun part is when yeah. we get to educate too. It's like, you know, that's, that's why I like working with so many different things. And, and, we're and, always learning. And we can make the best Cabernet Sauvignon possible but I don't think that will change the fact that our number one skew is a flavored sparkling wine. 
And so I, I think that just speaks to what the consumer wants and expects. Now, you know, we, we want to uphold the integrity of what we're creating and, and the product we're putting out there. Absolutely. Um, but I, again, I think we also, as, as a business model, want to cater to, um, you know, to the group. Yeah. Um, we mentioned kind of the relationship with the surrounding areas. Obviously, again, like when I got up this morning, I, I was talking to a friend and they're like, you have to go to Temecula today. I'm like, it's an hour away. It would take me longer to get to LAX. Like it, it's, this is not far, but what's the relationship like with Temecula proper? I mean, one of the things that took me aback, um, I was on a media trip last year up to Santa Barbara was you go to the local restaurants and that wine list is all locals, right? It's things like that. You know, Orange County is very guilty of this where you can go to a restaurant, close your eyes, and you can probably guess 80% of what's on that wine list. It's going to be your standard heavy hitters, your standard names. What's the relationship like with not just the people kind of far away bringing in wine drinkers, but the locals and, and kind of vice versa? What is the, what does Temecula feel about wine country here? Um, I feel like there's a really good relationship with the, with the local Temecula restaurants and, and, you know, um, the city of Temecula, we work really well with, um, um, uh, we have our wine and placed in some placements in some nicer restaurants. Um, but as, as David was speaking to earlier, because we are so heavily direct to consumer, um, you're never going to find us in the Southern's yeah. portfolio or Young's portfolio, you know? Um, so for us to, to, well, to, don't, well, don't say never, well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> at least not right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, it, but it, it makes it a little more challenging to, you know, to, to have your wine in, in all the local restaurants, nor would I necessarily say we want to, because, you yeah. know, being, being in, in kind of high end food background, um, we want our wine to be paired with the best food possible. And, and we feel like we've kind of found those places here in Temecula. So. Um, and, and, you know, outside of Temecula as well, but, um, but yeah, yeah, it's, it's a good relationship and, and because the Valley isn't so, uh, or is so DTC heavy, um, it's going to be a challenge to go to a, a, a restaurant and have the whole list be Temecula Valley. Yeah, that's fair. Um, we can't talk about a winery without talking about one of the number one lifebloods of a business like this, which is the wine club, obviously. It's one thing for someone to come out here. You could do a day trip and hit a couple of wineries, come out for a weekend, come out for a midweek staycation. There's plenty of great places to stay right around here and taste your way through. But the wine club, wine clubs are always kind of one of the beating hearts of a winery. Um, for anybody that might be curious about joining or what the benefits are, can you guys describe what a wine club at Wien Cellars kind of entails? Yes, the, the wine club is, I mean, I have to say it's, it's arguably the best wine club possible or, or, or best wine club out there. One, the commitment is relatively minimal. Uh, we have four different clubs um, ranging in, in price points and kind of overall quality of wine and style of wine. Um, but, you know, it, it's, it's essentially a case a year. So we do two bottles every other month, um, which is, again, it, relative to other wine clubs, I think it's, it's pretty minimal. It's, it's pretty... Uh, basic and affordable, but ultimately what that membership gets you is, and, and this again kind of goes back to the business model of Temecula and the fact that we are kind of a locals um, wine region, uh, although we certainly want to expand beyond that, but the main benefit of being a wine club member are daily complimentary tastings for you plus a guest, which is, 
I mean, that's, that's, that's awesome. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, that, and then you get the access to that barrel room. Like when Joe was talking about the facilities and stuff, like the way the tasting room was designed was we put the members room on the other side of this giant glass window surrounded by barrel racks, which were these honeycombs, which we were the first winery in the United States yeah, to bring them in. they're really, really cool looking. So, you know, we set it up. So it's like, how do I get into there? And then, you know, people love it and they, you know, they talk about the club and that's where they come in. That's one of the benefits of tasting in that room is, you know, you're separated from all that big stuff that you talk about that, you know, the big groups on the weekend, you go in there with the rest of the members and, you know, you're, you have your space. This room that we're in, we built for the members as well. We used to do weddings in here and we changed it because of the club and we want to give more benefits to the club. So they'll do live music in here on Saturdays and Sundays for the club. That's awesome. Yeah, and it, another kind of cool thing that we do here is is we keep it um, keep it all all new releases for our our club members. You know, they're they're getting the wine really before anybody else does. They get the first crack at it, which is kind of fun for us. You know, it's it's there's other wine clubs uh, where maybe they're pulling from the bottom of the barrel to to slap together a club and charge you for it, and it's like. You know, our commitment is always to be doing new releases of our of our highest end wine because, as you said, they're they're the lifeblood, they're our bread and butter. So, we try to keep our club members uh, uh, interested and engaged in our in our wines, and and that means making sure that they get the the new releases first. Um, as we kind of start to wind down this main episode, and obviously we're gonna I'm gonna keep you guys around and do a bonus episode for Patreon subscribers. Um, I want to talk about kind of, I want to give you guys an opportunity to, there's a lot of passion here. There's a lot of pride in Temecula, whether it's some of the more old school places, some of the new lifeblood that's coming in. There's a real big sense of pride here, which I really respect and enjoy. Um, It was one of the number one things that I picked up on when I came out here for a visit earlier in the year. Um, What would you guys kind of say to people that maybe haven't been out here, um, you know, to Weens yet, as kind of aside from the fact that you're going to come drink great wine in a beautiful atmosphere, why this shouldn't be overlooked. Why this, why anybody who's interested in wine, even in the slightest, even if you just want to have, you know, a happy weekend day drink, why should they be here? Because I think this is an important place and I think it's a place people should go. What would you guys kind of say to people who might be on the fence about coming out for a taste? Start with Brian and we'll just work our way down. (laughs) Well, for me, like Temecula is still like in its adolescence, you know, we're, we're growing, you're seeing second generation winemakers like Joe and the Valley's really starting to get its footing and it's taking off. So we're on that bubble and it's about to, you know, you don't want to miss this train because it's, it's right there. So, and that's kind of what my goal is with the winemaking is being from growing up in Temecula, being here since 92. I want to help push this to the next, you know, possible thing it can be. So, and you don't want to miss out. Fair. Yeah. um, You know, it, a big thing for me and, and, and us in our winemaking is to make sure that everybody leaves happy and, and ideally with a bottle of wine or two. Um, and so, you know, we might not drink a lot of, you know, kind of sweeter Muscat wine, but we have a wine called uh, Dulce Maria, which is which we made for my grandma, who that's all she drank was was sweet wine. So um, and when we make wines like that, we give it the attention and the passion it deserves. So even though we're not, you know, drinking a bunch of it, we still want it to be really well made. Yeah, you're not and just throwing out a skew. Yeah. Exactly. It's not, yeah. it's not a stepchild. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's very thoughtful. Um, and, and, and I feel like that shows with our customers because people that only drink sweet white wine can come here and enjoy a really nice tasting. People that only drink 
really high-end cabs and Bordeaux blends can come here and enjoy a tasting. So um, for us, it's kind of fun to have something for everybody so that, that everybody leaves happy and, and enjoys their visit. Yeah, I, I think this is the friendliest and most approachable wine country in the world. Um, and again, with its proximity to these huge Southern California population centers, you know, at the end of the day, there's really no reason why people shouldn't be here drinking and enjoying the wine. Um, and specifically this winery, um, I, I mean, I, I'm biased, but this is it's the okay, best you're wine. allowed to be, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is the best wine in Temecula Valley. Um, and, and beyond, and certainly Southern California, in my opinion. So, you know, I, I think this is sort of a, a no brainer, kind of a natural stop for, you know, devout wine lovers or people who are kind of experimenting or just exploring wine, uh, for the first time. And so, you know, certainly before, uh, we acquired the business. We were wine, you know, we were appreciators of, of wine, but we were not, you know, wine experts to any degree. And, um, but now that, that we're part of, part of the business of wine, I mean, I want to know more. I want to go deeper. I want to, um, you know, I'm doing wine education classes and, and kind of learning as much as I can about all the, the global wine regions and, and the varietals. So it's, it's this never ending journey of education if that's the route you want to go but also wine is one of these things that it's this timeless tradition of bringing people together and, and telling stories and you know family and friends kind of having these experiences over a glass of wine or a great bottle um you know and i can go back and remember great bottles that i've that i've had over the years with with friends and family so it's just it's just kind of this this human experience and human tradition that um you know, is, is fantastic. And, and, you know, coming out here on a daily basis, I mean, I live in Orange County, but I'm out here almost every day. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's cool. It's fun to be part of this, this tradition and be part of wine, um, you know, the business of it and, and the appreciation of it. So, um, you know, again, listener, if you haven't been here, it's, it's time. <laughs> <laughs> um, well guys, I'm going to wind down this main episode. Um, I'm going to keep you guys around for a bonus episode, which people can find on Patreon. Um, yeah. Thank you guys for the time, especially with it being harvest and everything else. Um, this has been an absolute treat. I, I know that we were supposed to record this a little earlier and then tropical storm Hillary had other plans, but I really want to thank you guys for the time. Um, I'm very, very excited to do this again. I'm a big fan of what you're doing out here. If people want to learn more about Weens, whether it's website, information on the wine club, things like that, social media, where can people do that at? Yeah, uh, the website's probably the best place. Um, it's www.weenscellars.com. That's W-I-E-N-S-C-E-L-L-A-R-S.com. And yeah, everything about the clubs, the, our wine shop, history, vineyards, everything is, is there. Yeah, I think excellent. all our handles are at Ween Sellers. You know, if it's yeah. Instagram, Twitter, Threads, whatever it is, X, whatever. So whatever I know, whatever uh, damn thing. Remember, is going on. I before E. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> well, thank you guys very, very much. Um, cheers to a great harvest, and I'm just wishing you guys continued success. Thank you. Cool. Thank cheers. Awesome. Thank you, sir. Thank you, thank you, thank you so, so much to David and the boys for sitting down. It really means the world, especially for them being in the middle of harvest, as I touched on multiple times during the episode. But I really appreciate them taking the time. Again, head out there. 
If you have not gone to Temecula, head out to Weens, check out some of the other places if you want to. Have a great time. It's really close to home. You can shoot out there, take a little staycation, take a day trip, whatever it is, but there's some really good juice that they're making out there. Thank you to everybody who supports on Patreon, first and foremost. I could not do this show without you. It has been so appreciated, especially this past month with the lack of episodes. I'm so appreciative of your understanding and your patience. Obviously, uh, thoughts and prayers to everybody who was affected in Maui, Golden Rule Charity, to check out and support them. Thank you to Ali Coyle for the music. Thank you to everybody who does listen on free feeds. Thank you to all of you advertising partners, everybody. I don't know. I don't know who else to thank. Thank my dog. Thank your cat, maybe. Thank your gerbil if you're into that. Whatever. Anyway, love you guys. I'll see you soon. Take care. The Best Seats Podcast is an original production of The Best Seats. It is written, edited, produced, and owned by myself, Crawford McCarthy, founder and principal of The Best Seats. It's based in Orange County, California. It is subsidized through generous monthly donations at patreon.com forward slash the best seats. The following are the names of those who subscribed at the highest monthly tier, aka norm status, and allow me to continue producing this show each and every month. As a thank you for their continued support, here are the names. Serena Warino, George Pavlov, Eric Lutz, Paige Reardon, Loco Lipo, Tim Falk, Burrito No Rito, Sasha Lyons, Subtle Bubbles, Jay Baker, Tim Swine, Burger Master, It Ain't Easy Being Greasy, Boyga Kang. Thank you for your support.